hello. And how are you doing today? I hope, wherever you are in this world, that you're happy and healthy and feeling good. I've got a mug of coffee in front of me and five uh, jazz compositions for you today. As per always, this is Songs and Stories, Supplemental Jazz Edition, Part 77. I'm going to start things off today with an artist that, well, there's just not a great deal of information about this individual available to me, unfortunately. German, Lukasz Ogler Quartet. I'd love to tell you a lot about them, but I'm having difficulty finding any information. But that's not the important part right now. The important part is that we listen to this magnificent recording from the album Alba. This is Longing.
How's that for some smooth jazz for you? The Lucas Wogler Quartet featuring Lucas Wogler on tenor sax, along with Moritz Langmeier on piano, Eric Biskalchen on bass, and David Geisel on the drums. They first got together in 2019 and played for about a year before, of course, the entire world shut down. But they continued to jam online and start to write music together. Very young band, but showing a lot of promise with some very soulful jazz blues in there. Some uh, David Sanborn-influenced sax playing. At least, I certainly hear it. Perhaps I could be wrong, but I, I really do hear the Sanborn influence there. Okay. I'd love to tell you a whole lot more about them, but unfortunately, like I said earlier, can't find a lot of information about them. What I can find, I've had to translate from German to English, of course, but there's just not a whole lot of information out there about them. Nevertheless, I quite like that composition from the album Alba, Longing. Okay. Moving along. This next composition is from the album In the Mountains, titled Perfectly Unhappy, from the Espen Eriksson Trio. This was released on April 29th of 2022. I hope you enjoy this as much as I do.
isn't that a lovely recording? Recorded live in April of 2022. The Espen Eriksson Trio, formed in uh, 2007 in Norway by Norwegian pianist and composer Espen Eriksson. He's had the same lineup in the band since the original founding some 16 years ago. Espen on uh, piano, Lars Tormund, Lars Tormund Jensen, double bass, Andreas Bai on drums, and featuring uh, a special guest for this recording, Andy Shepard on the saxophone. This was a live recording of some previously released material. Five albums in the last 12 years they've released, and this is their very, very first live composition. Our live composition, live recording. Get it right, Paul. As I said, they've been around since uh, 2007 as a group and have toured all throughout the Scandinavian region, throughout Europe, and continue to tour to today. Quite popular band. One that I would love to be able to see if I, if I ever do get out that way. I, I do plan to visit my friends in Norway and Sweden. It's just I'm going to have to save an awful lot of money. Getting there is not the expensive part. It's staying there. That's the expensive part. <laughs> anyway, let's move along because we're not gonna. We're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about jazz. Oops, I just banged the mic stand there. Terribly sorry. Up next, I have a composition um, from Thomas Haas, a group known as Haas Blockman. Kind of like Bachman Turner Overdrive? No, it's Thomas Haas, Thomas Blackman, Thomas Fonsbach, and Arthur Tuznik. We're going very Scandinavian today. From the album Wildflower, this composition is simply titled Wildflower. Sit back, relax, and let the jazz flow forth. <laughs> Thank you. 
Christensen performs under the name of Thomas Haas, Danish composer, producer, award-winning and Grammy-nominated saxophonist based in Copenhagen. Copen, wow, spit it out, Paul. Copenhagen, where he's a, a major uh, influential member of the um, region's flourishing jazz community. He's released six albums in total as a band leader, and he's uh, recorded as a, um, a sideman with a number of other artists as well. Of course, along with Thomas Blackman, that uh, composition titled Wildflower from the EP Wildflower, three-song EP, released in May of 2022. They tend to record together quite a bit, actually, and uh, I'm hoping that they'll be putting out some new stuff because... Uh, They've got a total, um, a a nine-track album titled The Shortlist, which is Haas Blockman. Blockman? Blackman? I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Each one of their albums has a similar color scheme featuring uh, yellow, green, blue, and pink. It harkens back to the days of the 50s and mid-60s. That oh-so-influential time in, in jazz when... Miles Davis was really ruling the roost. For want of a better term, of course, I don't know how else to put it. Wildflower. I'd love to give you a whole lot more information on the members of the uh, quartet. Uh, Thomas, three Thomas, Thomas Haas, Thomas Blackman, Thomas Fonsbach, along with Arturo Tuznik. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of information about these uh, fine musicians. Some limited stuff I found in Danish. And the translation is really not very good. <laughs> German translates very well to English, whereas um, Danish, ever ever much less so. But I will try and find out some more information about these uh, fine musicians for future when I will feature them once again, because I really like what they're doing. All right. Next up is from the Expanded Edition album, Minor Move. The Minor Move was first released in 1980, featuring uh, Tina Brooks. Quite a quite a influential album at the time. Tina Brooks has a, a short-lived career in, in the uh, heyday of hard bop. Now he he that's correct didn't record for the last 12 years of his life, but he did record an, a, a number of sessions with Freddie Hubbard. Jackie McLean, Kenny Burrell, and Freddie Reed, just to name a few. He was on his way to becoming a major influence, but um, he just couldn't overcome his drug addiction, and it ultimately took his life. A rather sad story of a sad ending to what was a once beautiful musical life. Now, Tina Brooks was not his given name. His name was Harold Floyd. Tina was a nickname... Uh, pronounced T-E-E-N-A, Tina, which was a variation of Teeny, which was a, a childhood t- moniker. He studied harmony and theory with Herbert Bourne. I guess he initially studied C melody saxophone and began playing after he moved to New York City with his family in 1944. His first professional work came about in 1951. He died in August of 1974. Sad, sad turn of events. 
He was quite young, only 42 years of age at the time. Had he been able to overcome his drug dependency, his heroin dependency, he may have gone on to live a long life and provide us with much more great music. Sadly, he died of liver failure. He was only 42 at the time. But he did leave us with some magnificent music. This was originally recorded in 1961 and released in 1980. From the album Minor Move, this is Tina Brooks with the composition Star Eye.
the late, great Tina Brooks, known professionally as Tina Brooks. Harold Floyd Brooks was his given name. Passed away in 1974 at the age of 42. Now, that composition you just heard, I I got the dates mixed up. It was recorded um, in 1958, March 16th of 1958. I thought it was 61. I was looking at the wrong area of my notes. It was his very first session for Blue Note Records, recorded in a single day at the Van Gelder Studios in Hackensack, Hackensack, New Jersey, featuring Lee Morgan on the trumpet, alongside Sonny Clark, Doug Watkins, and Art Blakey. Quite the group for, wow, that was a heck of a record. But for some reason, unbeknownst to me, and no reason given, sat on a shelf for 22 years. It wasn't released until 1980. Why, I do not know. He stopped recording in 1961, and as I said, he passed away in 1974 when he was only 42. So, you know, it's a long stretch. I have no idea what he did in that time frame. I can't seem to find any information for those, I guess you could call them, missing years of his life. As a leader or a co-leader, he was on featured on um, uh, five compositions, five albums, Minor Move, True Blue, Street Singer with Jackie McLean, Back to the Tracks, and The Waiting Game. Now, here's the weird part of his catalog. Minor Move, released in 1980, recorded in 1958. True Blue, recorded in 1960, released in 1960. Street Singer with Jackie McLean, recorded in 1960, Released in 1980 in Japan only. Back to the Tracks, recorded in 1960 and released in 1998. And The Waiting Game, recorded in 1961, released in 2002. Don't know what the deal is with all of that, but what I can tell you is this. All of his work as a sideman was released at the time it was recorded. Why this sat on a shelf for so long is just completely beyond me. Brilliant record from start to finish. Was released on vinyl in 1980 and uh, cassette, although limited uh, production of the cassette run. And in 2000 it was finally released on CD. It It did have the additional track on the CD of Minor Move, which is, of course, the album title. But I can't find any reason to justify why it sat on a shelf for so long. Very strange. Don't have all the answers, and sometimes you just can't find them, no matter how hard you look for them. He was a heck of a musician, and, and like I said, it was very sad that he he died so very young. But he hadn't played in 12, almost 13 years prior to his passing. So he kind of hung it up at the age of 30. Don't know what that was all about, and I guess we'll never know. All right. Let's move it along, shall we? One more artist to feature today. Mr. Harold Land. Now, Harold, also a sax player, hard bop and post-bop tenor saxophonist, born in uh, 1928 in Houston, Texas, passed away at the age of 72 in July of 2001. Absolutely influential individual. As a band leader, he was featured on uh, about a dozen albums. And this 
was uh, is taken from his very first uh, album as a band leader, Harold in the Land of Jazz, on the contemporary label. This is Grooveyard.
Harold Land from In the Land of Jazz, recorded in 1958, his very first as a band leader on the contemporary label. I think that's a great play on words, Harold in the Land of Jazz, for the gentleman, Harold Land. I think that's pretty cool myself. It was also released as Grooveyard, which of course is the title of the composition you just heard. Now, Grooveyard was written by pianist Carl Perkins. Not the blue suede shoes Carl Perkins, but jazz pianist Carl Perkins. He wrote that composition, and of course he did play on it because he was featured on that album, along with Rolf Erickson on the trumpet, Leroy Vinegar on the bass, and Frank Butler on the drums. One of the greatest debut albums for an individual who had been working as a sideman for quite some time. All Music gives it five and a half stars, or four and a half stars, I should say, pardon me. Penguin Guide to Jazz gives it three out of four stars. It's been revered over the decades, and as time has marched on, we've discovered there's subtleties and nuances in there that you don't hear in a lot of the other recordings from that time. He had some phrasing that hard-bought musicians tend to shy away from, or at least that's certainly my interpretation thereof. Now, the original album cover had uh, featured him playing the sax um, beneath the Watts Towers. The Watts Towers, if you're not aware, are a collection of... um, It's an art installation in the Watts area of Los Angeles, California. It was almost torn down at the time. They were actually condemned. And uh, they were under threat of being torn down by the city of Los Angeles. But thankfully, a preservation group stepped in and helped to keep them, well, to this day, in a state of art. It's known as, well, outsider art because it was built by um, an uh, Italian-American immigrant. It's known as naive art, I'm sorry, I almost said native, naive art. There's a huge difference between the two. It is both a National Historic Landmark and a California Historical Landmark, and it was designated such in 1990. Now, the individual who built them, um, Sabato Rodia, or Sam Rodia, passed away in 1965. We're not sure of his birth date. It was either 1879 or 1886. But he was a worker, a construction worker and a tile mason. So he built the Watts Towers under a gigantic art installation over a course, um, a period of 33 years from uh, 1921 to 1954. They are maintained today by a group that, um, well, it's a preservation and, and restoration group. So they, they're constantly doing work to keep them up to snuff as a result of both climate and the strange materials he used to construct them. Now, Harold Land. Let's get back to the land of Harold Land, shall we? Hard bop, post bop, tenor saxophonist. He developed his hard bop playing style largely with Max Roach and Clifford Brown band. It was a a modern style that often rivaled Clifford Brown's instrumental ability with his own inventive and whimsical solos. His tone was described as both strong and emotional, yet it hinted at a certain introspective fragility. Well, that's quite the saying, if you ask me. I guess, as I understand, he heard John Coltrane recording, a John Coltrane recording, and it kind of changed his life. From the 1970s onward, his playing style was very much influenced by Mr. Coltrane. 
Through the 80s into the early 90s, he worked with um, the Timeless All-Stars, which is uh, uh, sponsored by the Timeless Jazz Record label. Worked with Bobby Hutcherson, Curtis Fuller, Billy Higgins, Cedar Walton, and Buster Williams. He was also a professor at the University of California in Los Angeles, or UCLA. He joined the UCLA Jazz Studies program as a lecturer in 1996 to teach instrumental jazz combo. One of the quotations from the school is, Harold Land was one of the major contributors in the history of the jazz saxophone, said guitarist Kenny Burrell, founder and director of the UCLA Jazz Studies program. Harold passed away at the age of 72 in 2001 from a stroke. Something you may not know about Mr. Land, the rock band, the progressive rock band, yes, um, included a song titled Harold Land on their eponymous debut album in 1969. Bill Bruford of the band says uh, he was a hard bop tenor saxophone player. He's dead now, but quite why we named after a song after him, I can't recall. Well, they, they might have been high at the time, I'm guessing. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong, but, hmm. Mr. Harold Land, known as an individual with an inimitably dark tone with hard bop and modal jazz paradigms. Over time, this would contrast more and more with the brighter tonalities of more Coltrane-influenced saxophonist, although he started to implement Coltrane's musical innovations. Quite the player. And as a, as a um, leader, I think he was on a dozen albums. And as a sideman, well, it's probably at least a hundred recordings, if not more, that I can count. Not everything is listed here, but the man was a player, and he played with everybody he could find. The great, late, Harold Land. Okay, that's it for today. I have to get up, get out, and get some things done. It is a Saturday at the time of this recording, and I'm running very late behind schedule. I was supposed to be skiing today, but I had to push it off till tomorrow as something has come up. You know how that is. Sometimes life... Well, sometimes life makes other plans for you and you have to adjust. But that's okay. There's always another day tomorrow. And with that, I will bid you my adieu. So wherever you are in this world, I hope you're happy, healthy, and well. Till we meet again, my friends. Take care. Bye.